All right, I am Haggai Davis III, along with Haggai Davis II, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Our show is a conversation about the past, present, and future of all things technology that we like to keep topical, interesting, and digestible. We want to thank our sponsor, Cardinal Capital, for making this possible. Cardinal Capital connects businesses to capital. It doesn't matter what business that you are in, Cardinal Capital has the resources all across the United States that are willing to help fund organizations of all sizes, life cycles, categories, and locations. Cardinal Capital works with you to craft the best commercial finance package for you to achieve your business goals. Whether you're looking to refinance current debt because of the new government programs and favorable interest rates, or finance new equipment, or maybe you're trying to acquire another business entirely, Cardinal Capital has the resources to make it happen. When lenders cannot do a loan, they seek out Cardinal Capital to help. The Cardinal Capital guys are easy to work with and fun to be around. Contact them today at 225-308-3700 or send them an email at info at cardinalcap.net and they'll be happy to help you with your commercial finance needs. So each week we take a listener question about a topic that the listener was interested in. They went to our website, techgumbo.net, went over to the question of the week tab, submitted the question. We like the question and use the question. We love to send out the Tech Gumbo mug. And this week's question was, I heard something called the LK99 in the news. What is it and why should I care? That's a great question. So LK99 has been setting the scientific corner of the internet on fire over the past couple weeks. And there have been a lot of very bold claims about it. And so we wanted to take a couple minutes to unpack what the claims are, what they mean, and then what do we think is happening here? So the LK99 is a superconductor. This was created, and it could be a game changer for quantum computing, medical imagery, transportation, anything that really uses super high-end processing and computations. So it is claimed to be a superconductor, but the important part here is that it is a room temperature ambient pressure superconductor. So, what are superconductors first? They are specific types of materials which allow electricity to pass through with virtually no losses. Whenever you think about a standard wire, a copper wire, whenever electricity flows through it, you have a little bit of loss due to the electrons bumping into the other materials, and we experience this loss as heat. That's why Whenever you use your phone a lot, that battery heats up. That is that inefficiency of the electrons flowing through it. So a superconductor is a material which does not experience that loss. It is just so efficient that it is, you know, 99.999% efficient. The problem with most superconductors is that in order to achieve that perfect state, they have to be super cooled. They have to be at minus 300 degrees Fahrenheit or at some crazy pressure that neither one of which are practical in any sort of way. They're interesting from a pure physics standpoint, but you're really not going to be able to turn them into an engineering product and have them make their way out into the real world. And so that's why this LK99 is setting the internet on fire because it is at room temperature at normal pressures. If it is what it says it is, as you're mentioning, all of a sudden 
you could build this into a lot of our electrical grid and you no longer experience losses on your power lines. You just any place where you have a lot of energy moving, you become a good bit more efficient with very little effort to get to that point in time. So LK99 is a polycrystalline material made of lead, oxygen, and phosphorus and infused with copper. This is a whole lot of different elements and pushed together, molded together, whatever, however they got it together. And it's really just made everybody crazy. Because one of the interesting things about it is that all of those materials are pretty plain. They're pretty common. And that's this isn't some rare earth element, you know, for a fun fact, the the first Avatar movie, the they were after unobtainium. Unobtainium was a room temperature superconductor and that it was so wildly valuable that the army went to Pandora to go get it because it was trillions of dollars in value or whatever. And so the fact that these Korean South Korean scientists are saying that, yeah, it was just some stuff we found in the lab that came to work together perfectly. That also is what is leading to this hype around it, that it would be really easy to mass produce again, if it works. So the, the whole idea that started raising eyebrows was because it, it's, it started out using non-conducting minerals. And then when you, when you start with basically a rock and you throw this chemical into it and this chemical into it, and then, like you said, hey, these are things that have been around for a long time. Out of the clear blue, here comes these South Koreans who say, hey, guess what we did? We just kind of slapped this together and slapped that together just because they were hanging around. And we got a, we got a, a, a superconductor now that everybody's kind of going, really? Yeah, and I think that the, the skepticism is warranted here. One, because scientists needs a healthy amount of skepticism in order to function that peer review, that process of replication, those are very important foundational aspects of science. You don't just get to claim something and people believe you. You have to justify it. You have to prove it. You have to be able to really be certain of what it is that you are saying. And so that sets off this replication process wherever a lot of people around the world has tried to go out and make their own versions of this because there was the two different versions of the same paper that were printed and everyone says, okay, you released your recipe, you released what you, how you said you made it, you know, we're going to go out and we're going to try your recipe and we're going to see if we get the same thing. And the results aren't great so far. No, this is kind of a flashback to what happened in 2020 at the University of Rochester. Some scientists there released a paper say they had found a room temperature superconductor from hydrogen, sulfur, and carbon, published it in Nature, and then had to retract it because, well, it just didn't really work. And at least they had gotten published in Nature. These two current papers from LK99 haven't even been fully published yet. They were placed in, onto a server called Archive, which is mostly for physics, but don't it doesn't require that peer review process ahead of time. And so pretty much anyone can post there. And so it doesn't have that same 
gatekeeping attached to it, which can be good, can be bad, because by having it be totally available for free, it means that anyone can go out and read these papers and anyone can go out and try and recreate this. But whenever you're getting into something as complex as ambient temperature, ambient pressure, superconductors, there is a level of knowledge that is required. There is a level of rigor that is required. And so that kind of filtering process is very important for making sure that what makes its way out of the scientific community into the mainstream community is worth hearing about. Because one of the things that can happen is that people who don't really understand the process can feel a sense of burnout and that's, oh, this is just another flash in the pan. The scientists don't know what they're talking about. They're making it all up. It's not real. You, you know, you, you see this hype cycle wherever it just completely disintegrates. It's not good for the feel. So this, this whole announcement started coming out over the last several weeks. And as other scientists have begun trying to recreate them, the physicists at the University of Colorado Boulder, physicists at, at different uni universities around the country, around the world, keep trying this and none of them are getting anywhere near the results that the South Korean team had done. And now all of a sudden what started off as hype is now turning into what looks like it's going to be just another flop. And this this at any point in time if you had asked me what i would have bet on would have been the overwhelming odds that it's nothing against these people uh in and of themselves but the idea that you found the holy grail is just rare it's just unlike that most science most science is very small steps forward that it is a lot of sustained efforts and it's incremental gains. And that is roughly how science works. Very rarely something comes along and you have a huge breakthrough, but that's very rare. And that if that had actually been what we had here, they wouldn't have need to put the preprints out first. It would have just been accepted into any journal that they wanted immediately. Because if you think about things like when NASA released their announcements of the gravitational waves that they observed at LIGO, those publications won Nobel Prizes. And it was never a doubt. And that it was in peer-reviewed journals and it, their research was heavily criticized, heavily scrutinized, and it passed all those tests. And that's the important part here is that it requires your peers to take it apart and really look through all the pieces and parts and say, oh, is this what you say it is? Because that's how we are certain that we are advancing science forward properly and not just following for the next hype cycle. Yeah, there was one quote where a physicist from the University of Maryland said the part of it where it shines a light on the subject and its potential utility and how it's super fascinating could eventually lead to a breakthrough in technology. That's part, that part is great. But my, I guess my conclusion is it's not going to happen this time around. Yeah. Science involves a lot of failure. It involves a lot of trial and error. 
And that's part of the process. And that's part of why science communication is so difficult. That, you know, a lot of times these stories just stay inside of the scientific community bubble and not even the larger scientific community bubble. They'll stay inside the material science bubble and maybe even more niche than that. And that's to have a story make its way all the way out into, you know, the general Twitter stream, you really want it to be vetted. And this this just didn't quite get there. Yeah, I mean, good on The Verge, the website that picked up the article and, and, and ran with it. They they were one of the first ones to put a, make a big splash out of it. It seemed like exciting news to them. Hey, good on The Verge. But that's probably not where you want your scientific papers released. Oh, yeah. The, you, you need them to have that level of scrutiny, that level of rigor, in order to be very confident in them. So to the listener, thank you for the question. It was a fascinating question. It's been a great discussion on it here. We will be sending you a Tech Gumbo mug. If you would like to submit a question, go to our website, techgumbo.net. You can see a picture of the mug. It's got our logo on both sides of it. And it's a big, beautiful 20-ounce mug that we will send you for free if we used your question. So we want to do the last couple of minutes here on this segment Talking about cybersecurity and and what's kind of been going on, one of the big things is that the critical infrastructure companies have been warned, hey, they're really coming after you right now. Yes, this warning comes from Norway cybersecurity officials. They warned around 20 companies, businesses, and other public agencies that there could be a vulnerable cyber attack that will be disclosed on Monday because it hit 12 different government ministries in Norway. When you've got companies that are saying, look, you're an infrastructure company, you're in imminent danger, then you've got to really take it serious. It's not like we've been talking for the past nine plus years on this show saying our infrastructure is really dangerously weak. But when they're coming out and saying you're in imminent danger, they're actually targeting you right now really got to take that serious yeah because the norwegian security agency said if you cannot patch the flaw you should take the software offline that is how bad this is that is if you if you are not fixing it actively shut it down until it's ready to come back online so that really speaks to how concerned they are with what's happening here and, and look, the SEC has come out and they've changed their rules. If you have been hacked, you now have four days to report it if you're a publicly traded company. I think this is a, a very good change. It's interesting it was approved three to two. You know, you would hope that it would be a, a bit more bipartisan support, a bit, a bit more universal in its support. But what this means now is that companies have to disclose if they have been hit with cybersecurity ransomware. And that's, I think this will have two impacts. One, it means that companies will start investing in their cybersecurity more because it's not like you can just brush it off or play it off. You have to reveal it. And so you're going to, you know, make sure that you're protecting yourself because you don't want to be, get exposed on it. I agree that I wish it would have been five to zero I think the two who voted against it were opposed to the four days. They wanted to give more time to be able to respond and 
and but then actually have to report. They weren't opposed to them reporting. They were they were opposed to the the four days time limit to to be able to say something. And I can see both sides of that story. If you're still fighting the battle to try and undo what was done and it takes you five, six days to to do that. okay. yes, I know there's other parts of the company who can release the stories. I can just see both sides. And and whereas, hey, look, you're a publicly traded company. The value of that stock is about to plummet. You need to tell me now so I can go sell my shares of stock because you you got hit. Both sides are very legitimate. Yeah, I think that's the big part of that there is that whenever you have something that big, that large floating around a, a company of, you know, a publicly traded company, the chances are that it doesn't leak go down the longer you wait on it. And so just having it be fast, having it be, you know, required to come out in a, a reasonable amount of time just limits the number of un, unseemly transactions that can happen. Oh, completely agree. It, it's it's very hard to hide a forest fire. And that's what goes on inside of a publicly traded company when they get really whacked hard with with one of these cyber incidents. And you've got a team of people working on it in multiple markets and other parts of the company know about what's going on and how somebody doesn't say something to a neighbor who says something to a neighbor and boom, now it's on the local news and then the networks pick it up. A lot of times it's better to get out in front of it as soon as possible if you can. Yeah. Another thing that companies must do now is describe the board's process for overseeing cybersecurity risks and management's role in handling those risks. These changes are going to really force companies to have a plan in place for how they deal with cybersecurity. Companies are are no longer allowed to just have computers be on the back burner or have a novelty or a side project. They are going to be an integral part of everything that we do, and it means we should treat them as such, we should protect them as such, we should make sure that they are really taken seriously. And like you said a little while ago, if you think this is not going to go away or it's going to lessen, let me tell you, in the year 2021, there were 600 million ransomware attacks alone. And that number has gone up significantly since then. Then you get into crypto jacking and it, then attacking the Internet of Things, which I don't know how long, how many years we've been banging that drum. The IoT attacks went up 87% in the year 2022 alone. These are devices that are just less secure. They're smaller, they're simpler, and they sit on your network and they are a window. And that is what hackers are looking for is just a door that is slightly ajar, you know, something that you're not really thinking about. You know, so far it hasn't been your Roomba, but it could be your Roomba. So far it hasn't been your refrigerator, but it could be your refrigerator. And that's, you know, these are just targets that people are going after. And it is only a matter of time before there is a major cybersecurity attack through one of these large network devices that are kind of simple, kind of dumb. And people just put them on the network because it has an app and it's easy to do. And, you know, we're going to see this happen within the next three years, I would say. 
But this isn't just going after big, huge, publicly traded companies. This is happening at every level of business, whether it's the small mom and pop shop to your middle level businesses, 100 employees to 1,000 employees. It doesn't care when this, this malware is floating around on the internet and you click on something, they've got you. And so you have to, if you're running a business, if you own a business, if you're a decision maker in a business that has anything to do with protecting the data, protecting your network, you've got to take this very, very serious. You need to be working with a company that not just works on computer networks, but also a company that understands cybersecurity. The two are different and they're becoming more and more important as they become more and more separate. And we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission. And that mission is to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed services provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers from Texas to the Carolinas. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through the continuous use of innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strength. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need new IT services, new technology, or you just have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. And if you enjoyed our show today, we're here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4, and the show will rerun Sunday at 4. If you missed any part of our show, or you would like to hear any of the previous episodes, check out our podcast, which is available on most every platform, including Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, Overcast, Player FM, and more. And when you're there, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified every time a new episode is posted. If you like our show, if you have some suggestions or want to submit a question, let us know by visiting our website, techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.